what's been uh what's been going what's been going it's been another week i set up our podcast um sun for a sunday schedule now so our weekly shows will come out on sunday uh so the one we just recorded last week came out this morning and then this one will be slotted to do next sunday so we'll have a nice kind of backup system yeah now the pressure's on now we can't get behind i know man we have to give the people their pod (laughs) we gotta we gotta come up with something screaming for it (laughs) we need to set up some screaming live scream yeah live scream uh on the twitter (laughs) verse anyway uh so what's been going on well i'm i've been a total nerd this week and a small child because my mm-hmm. Xbox was broken and I was trying desperately to fix it. I know. Uh, because you bought it in, lo- uh, in used, right? I did buy it used and then the yeah. laser or something went out with the disk drive. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of research on how to fix it, which is kind of cool. Now I know how to solder something <laughs> and I guess that's about all I really learned. I learned how to watch a YouTube video and do exactly what they do. <laughs> Apart from picking up a new skill, do you think that you... Uh... It was worth it getting the used one, or did you end up spending more money than the, mm. than having like the new one that probably would work? Well, there's a lot of benefits to well, and, and getting a used one is kind of useful because like I turned in my old Xbox 360 and like all the games I had, uh-huh. and that knocked off about half of the price of the used one. But I, I guess I could have bought a new one from that store too and done the same thing possibly. Oh, so you could do a trade in too. Yeah. Right, right. So I did the trade in. So it only cost me about a hundred bucks at the time I got it, and then I spent about thirty five dollars on this new drive. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I'm still pretty pretty in the green on that deal. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. I was looking yeah. at the specs for the. I mean, you were uh, trying to convince me to get one, and so <laughs> I was looking up like deals and bundles and stuff, and then uh, I went down this rabbit hole of reading about the new one that's coming out. And uh, I was looking at the specs, and coincidentally, I'm also considering a new iMac because the one I've had for the last seven years is, you know, it's okay, but it's showing some age, Mm -hmm. you know. It's got some loud fans going when I try to do too much. Um, (laughs) And I was... (laughs) I like how that's how it shows its age. Yeah. It's like... It's it's method of... Or it's computer version of groaning. (laughs) It's like, this is too much. Um, and so anyways, I've got these computer specs fresh in my mind, looking at like the eight core processor that you can get and how many gigabytes of Ram and what kind of graphics card it'll come with. And I'm looking with the upgrades on it, like $3,300. Yeah. But <laughs> that's intense. I was looking at the specs for the upcoming Xbox and it's like more powerful than this iMac I'm looking at. And so I'm just kind Dang. of blown away that you have probably a more powerful computer that's selling for, you know, usually retail like 500 bucks for a console. I guess they yeah. probably have some sort of business model in place with Xbox Live and the money that they make from the games themselves where they can, mm-hmm. you know, make more money down the line. But it blows my yeah. mind that like, that's like a $4,000 computer that you can get for five grand. <laughs> These gaming consoles. 500. Yeah, 500. 500, yeah, 500 yeah. not five grand. Yeah, and uh, well, I guess the, the downside is that, you know, they're they're exactly like purpose-built. So like you can't really, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff on them, I think, now that you didn't used to be able to do, but it's not like having, yeah, yeah. But the, I kind of say they're, they're purpose-built, so, like, you can't, you know, you can do a lot more stuff with your uh, MacBook than you can on an, an Xbox. Like, True. Although I, I, they're starting to merge together, it kind of seems like to me. Um, How so? It's, well, just in that, like, now you can, you can do most of the things you can do on, like, a tablet, I feel like, on your Xbox. Or, like, you know, you can, like, stream Netflix and download, like, different apps um, I don't know how open it is. I don't really use hmm. mine for that, but I, I know you can. Um, and I'm sure that the new one, I know that, well, the one thing that makes me think that is like the new 
Xbox Series X is going to allow like PC peripherals. Like you can plug in like a, a keyboard or a joystick or whatever from like a like that's for PC. Oh, cool! And it'll work just like it'll it'll read it just like it's a PC. So, oh. um, so Microsoft must be incorporating some of that like driver stuff into it so that it's more plug and play. Yeah. Um, so that just makes me think like, oh, maybe you'll be able to like you know plug in microphones and maybe there'll be an audio app and like you know. It doesn't seem that much of a stretch to do that stuff. Yeah. And just in an Xbox app interface instead of on your Mac. That'd be kind of cool. I know uh, one thing. I don't know why I'm so interested in this, but I, um, to me, it just seems like a no brainer to, uh, you know, now that a lot more people are doing video calls and stuff like that of using the TV in your living room to do a FaceTime, you know, Hangout, Skype, whatever. And I guess on one hand, people don't manufacture TVs with a camera built in because, you know, the obvious backlash, a lot of people are afraid of that with, you know, the devices like Alexa and all that. So, okay, I guess I get that. But, you know, what if, or why don't, you know, LG or Samsung or whatever ship TVs with... Uh, they've got these built-in apps already. Like you, you have Netflix built in. Uh, why don't they have some sort of video conferencing app built in and just you know leave it up to the customer to like buy um, an external uh, video camera to clip onto the top of it? I think that'd oh, be a nice yeah. middle ground. And um, anyway, I, I brought this up because Xbox supports that, and it's uh, mm. I was a little frustrated because on PlayStation. Back when I got my PlayStation originally, like a few years ago, I also got the PlayStation camera, uh, which is a clip-on camera for your TV, and uh, it kind of looks like the Kinect does. It's, it's pretty wide. It actually has two different cameras, so it does depth perception. You're supposed to mm. use it in games and stuff, um, or if you have VR, I think it uses this to see the, the tip of these like things that you hold. Um, but you can also use it to stream you know, on Twitch. So you got your, your face Ah. while you're playing the game and that's what the camera's for. Um, I don't really use it too much. Um, but when I'm playing with friends, I use it. So if I don't want to plug in headphones, uh, they can hear me through the audio in that. But I feel like it's such a huge missed opportunity that if you're playing, let's say you and I were playing elite dangerous and Mm -hmm. forget that we have the wrong consoles, but if we were both on PlayStation, (laughs) um, I would want the option to turn on the camera so we could like see each other while we're playing. I think that'd be fun, but they don't support that. They only support the camera when you're streaming to Twitch for some reason. And they don't support at all just a video calling functionality. I'm like, here I am with this gorgeous, huge TV and a camera attached to it. Why can't I FaceTime someone? And the cool thing about, you know, the size of a TV is at that scale, it's almost lifelike the size of the, the person you know yeah as opposed to holding your phone or your ipad and um so anyway that's just kind of like this this bug <laughs> that i have always yeah, wanted something like annoying. that and um i know facebook their portal product they have that functionality if you get portal tv you can use facebook messenger to video call people but they would also have to have it um and i really don't want to buy anything made by facebook um, I, uh, yeah. I was able to rig up something with Google duo. I don't know if you've tried that app. Cause that's a, it's a Google app. Yeah, um, we have, um, I've, we, we usually use our projector when we're FaceTiming. Like if we're talking for a long time, like yeah. we, we FaceTime enough. Uh, do we FaceTime? We FaceTime my parents and did it and we just cast it. I like airplay it. Mm to our apple tv yeah uh, but then also we did google duo the same way with another friend so, so in my research i found that yeah you can mirror your phone to apple tv or i don't know if it's the android universe maybe you can mirror it to like a chromecast type of thing but um for whatever reason it doesn't uh pick up the rotation of the phone so if I'm FaceTiming and I cast this to the TV, even if I rotate my phone in landscape as it should be, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't show up at landscape on the TV. So you got this huge TV with like <laughs> vertical bar uh, yeah, video yeah, feed. Like, uh, the reason I mentioned yeah. 
Google Duo was that's the only app that I have seen apart from Facebook Messenger that lets you do a landscape rotation and it and it picks that up. So I got this all yeah. set up and and taught my parents how to do it, but then when we called them, they couldn't figure out how to mirror to their Apple TV. Oh. Uh, so anyway, what kind of do they have Apple phones too? Yeah, they do. It's got Apple everything. Huh. Uh, I think it'd be really intuitive from there. But yeah, we were using our laptop to do it, and it's you know it's pretty easy from a laptop. Mm. Oh, one thing about that though. So my my MacBook is it's getting pretty old too. It's like a 2013, I think, late 2013 model. Although I think I bought it in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a. Do you know about Sidecar? I've uh, it sounds like something I've used a long time ago. I don't remember it. By the way, quick tangent. The, uh-huh. Apple products, I think in general, always kind of sound like they're like CIA code names for things. (laughs) You know, there's like AirPlay and Sidecar, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can think of some other ones, but (laughs) I just think they're really funny. Anyway, there's a thing called Sidecar where you can uh, can use your iPad as a second display, Hmm. but it only works on like 2016 and newer iMacs or MacBooks, even if you have the newest operating system, which is... Oh, yeah. So it must be some firmware issue. Yeah, I think I've, uh, someone at work mentioned that um, now that we're at home and like you want to extend your display and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it has to have like matching like generation of hardware. So if you've got like an old one and the latest generation, they won't really be compatible. Yeah, yeah. But I was so bummed. I was like trying to get that to work, and I was like, oh man, that's such a bummer. Because I was thinking it'd be nice also just for. Uh, you know, like online teaching or doing Zoom meetings, being able to see like more people. Um, but anyway, hmm. that's how that's how it goes, I guess. Uh, so, what's new with you, Rob? Uh, We've talked about video games now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we could do a video game podcast. I'm sure, they don't, I don't have I any of those. Nowhere near of a buff, big enough. <laughs> buff on video games to do a video game podcast well um, i kind of like what we talked about last time of the spirit of figuring it out together so yeah. you know m- maybe we're not i mean i guess i'm somewhat of a video game buff but i'm not that good at them um <laughs> i just like them a lot yeah uh, and we could kind of figure it out together i don't know well um, we could do uh, well you could get elite dangerous for uh ps4 and we could just do it uh yeah you know, separately. We won't ever be able to play together, which is kind of a bummer. I, I might do that um, <laughs> because, yeah, I don't know. I can't can't bring myself to get the used Xbox when I know that there's this shiny new one coming out in a few months probably. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And I'm def- I definitely need to get the new PlayStation. Here's what we could do. You could get the new PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah you get the new playstation and um i'll i'll eat the cost and uh i'll buy elite dangerous for your new playstation <laughs> oh okay thanks yeah, rob yeah well, uh, <laughs> doing me a solid there uh yeah save you 50 bucks this was uh a kind of a blur of a week i don't really remember what happened um i know i know that on Friday, it was one of those frustrating days. Um, I don't know if this, this probably doesn't happen in, in your line of work, but uh, with uh, more of a bureaucratic office system, there's often these days where you feel insanely busy because you're like just constantly have, you know, one meeting after another meeting, but you're not getting anything done. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been there. Okay. I mean, I used to write, do grant writing for some organizations, so I've been in that culture of like oh wow there's a lot of meetings and like they go on for way too long and like they i always think like when i'm in a meeting like why don't we just we should like (laughs) raise a question and then make everybody be silent for five minutes and then just take a vote (laughs) (laughs) because usually what happens is people talk and everyone says their opinion and then everyone still votes the way that they originally thought anyway on whatever issue it is that's interesting (laughs) so we should just just think about it on your own for a few minutes yeah and then just vote do (laughs) some silent voting move on to the next thing because they just oh anyway yeah well that okay good i I didn't realize you had that experience i was thinking of like teaching students and like 
the you yeah, know now that's I don't productive. But um, for me, it's like yeah, I have all these like updates I need to make to a, a design file, and um, it's like we're we're talking about the stuff that we need to do, and I've got like this mental to do list going on. But then I move on to another meeting, and then another, and it's just. Uh, but yeah. you know, there's two types of people, and um, there's people like my friend Chris who, you know, that happens it means he's got to work on the weekend. For me, uh, I say, you know what? Well, that's your problem. You had too many meetings, <laughs> so Rob is going to pick this up on Monday. <laughs> right. That is that is nice. Yeah. Uh, with my line of work, it didn't work out a lot of times because I'd be like on deadline for a grant uh, yeah. or something. So it doesn't matter kind of uh, if uh, all my time got ate up by meetings or not. I still have to find the time. But yeah, I think what I learned early on in the meetings is that, well, there are parts of the meeting where people give a shit about what you have to say. And then mo- the other like 90% of the meeting where people don't give a shit what you have to say. <laughs> and during that other 90%, you should very, uh, without disrupting anyone, find a good way to just do your own work, Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I would do all the time. Um, and nobody seemed to mind because nobody really gave a shit what I thought anyway about 90% of the meeting. It was just like this one little pocket of it i need to pay attention to and uh-huh. offer some thoughts and but i had to be there for the whole meeting for some reason yep um so yeah i would get a lot of writing done then if it, it frustrates me that on the design the designing side of things like uh we we do a lot of research with users to see how they respond to different designs stuff like that see if it's useful see if it's confusing um so it's like on one hand we'll do all this work uh it takes a lot of preparation to come up with the questions that we ask it takes a lot of preparation to recruit people and you know it's so anyway the research is pretty involved and then we got to spend a few days kind of synthesizing all this information into some little nuggets that are useful um and then we create a design based on that so we do all this really sort of well thought out design and then we'll spend 60 minutes in a meeting where everyone shares their opinion of, Oh, I think it should be this, or I think it should be that. (laughs) And, um, wasting all this time to basically make a change. It's just, it, I don't know. It just boggles my mind that like you have this two, two levels of fidelity of, you know, we'll, we'll spend months researching how to do this thing. And then, uh, the engineers will come back and say, Oh, well, we, we can't build this or we can't support this type of feature because of, I don't know, databases. <laughs> and, uh, um, and so then we'll, you know, hash out sort of over several meetings, you know, what we should do instead. But I don't know. I just feel like, well, why are we even having a meeting? We should just go back to research and see what the users think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise not now this research is meaningless. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And then like, there's nothing more frustrating than like thinking that you've gotten all the input and then like making something mm-hmm. and then suddenly everyone has new opinions and you're like, wait, the, the, the time for opinion making was yeah. <laughs> it's like before, before all the building happened. It's like, if you like have a house built mm-hmm. and then you're like, you know, actually I think I want the kitchen to be bigger. Exactly. Like, well, we already built the house. So sorry. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so one of those days, but, um, yeah, not too eventful. I, uh, spent pretty much all day Saturday playing Diablo three on PlayStation, which is a, I've I've seen some articles about this, but I don't, you know, what's, what's new and great about Diablo three, Rob? I have no idea. I don't, I I didn't see any articles. It's literally the oldest game I have. I got, it's the first thing I got with PlayStation. I, I played it for maybe like a week. Um, and it's good, like multiplayer. You can have up to four people uh, drop in and you know s- smash monsters in the dungeon and stuff together. Mm-hmm. But I-, I never really got hooked into it, and so it's been collecting dust for years. And uh, I think the thing is, I've been wanting to pick up a new game, but not spend any money. So I dusted that off, and I was like, let's see how this is. And it's pretty fun, pretty addicting. Uh, you just button mash and you know i'm i'm a wizard in the game so i'm just shooting off these little fire bolts and and different Mm -hmm. magical spells and 
leveling up and I, yeah, so I got sucked into that black hole for about six hours yesterday. Hmm. Did you play any, any of the older Diablo games? I might have played Diablo 2 on the computer a long time ago, but I barely remember it. Yeah, I don't remember if I... I think it was 2 that I had played 2 on the computer. And it was one of the first games I played online. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I played and it, it was, online. But it was kind of dumb because people... It was before like people had... Oh, it was before like companies that put a lot of safeguards in for people that hack online playing. So mm. like basically 90% of the players in the game were just cheating. Oh man. <laughs> and just killing all the people who didn't <laughs> cheat. So then I figured out how to cheat and then I killed some people. Of course I had to join in on that fun. Yeah. Everyone so I did that. Cheat. I was like 11 or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever play that game um, Age of Empires? Yes, I love it. I love that game. I remember getting the cheat codes that you could like turn like a siege weapon into a, a Dodge Viper, and it would, oh, it would drive around and had that. machine guns on it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I never found that one. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. No, I actually I downloaded that game um, from you know, I I didn't buy a new copy. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, on my Mac, and I was playing it on my Mac. Oh, cool. I figured it was so old, you probably can't even find it to buy anymore anyway. Yeah, it was yeah. the first Age of Empires game. You Ooh, know? I think number two uh, was my favorite, Age of Kings. It? No, that's the one. Yep. That's the one. It was number two. Yep. So uh, I got that one, and I still, even now, I'm like, this is a good game. I enjoy playing this. Yeah. Like, I think some of the newer strategy games that I've played, it's like, there is way too much fucking shit to keep track of in this game. Like, I don't know how people like. It's like they've kept developing on the games and made them more and more complex. And I'm like, I I don't know yeah. what to do. But that game, I can get I can get my head around. I've I've wanted to talk to someone about this who likes the game because I can't put my finger on what makes it so amazing. I could play it for hours and hours, and even now, it's just it's still a great game. I wish they had a refresh of like nicer graphics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Maybe some new weapons, but um, the game mechanic is so great I, I i'm the sort of person when uh oh i guess we should explain what the game is <laughs> i just sure. realized uh for anyone who doesn't know age of empires is kind of this classic strategy game it's a real-time strategy with a like a top-down bird's eye view type of um playing experience and it's set in kind of medieval times where you've got castles and knights and shining armor and all that. Um, Trebuchets. Yeah. And so you you get to build up your kingdom uh, pretty much from scratch. You have some villagers that go out and they collect the raw materials. And when you accumulate those materials, then you can build your different uh you know, bases and, and armies and stuff like that. And there's a lot of uh, iPhone games out there that, use the same mechanic i think probably like clash of clans is one of those um but interestingly it's just it's such a great uh i think it maybe it's the resource management aspect of it or something just makes it so much better um they don't have Mm. this i don't think they have this stupid limitation of like oh well if you spend gems then you can build this thing instantly or whatever all of yeah, it, yeah. it takes time to it's, build, no matter yes. what. The the resources you have are just the cost of building, and that's it. And there's no other, you know, purchases or upgrades. Um, well, you can upgrade a building after you um, learn more. Anyway, I'm getting off on unimportant yeah, yeah. details. But I think, I think I really like the aspect of just building up a super cool kingdom and like elaborate systems mm-hmm. of walls and gates and stuff. And then there's <laughs> other people who like to just create, a, you know, nothing but an army. And then they run out there and they try to be the first to defeat you, which always bummed me out when I played online. Cause people would rush yeah. in and, and kill you. I, I, just like the the uh, what do you call it the urban planning of like right. the yeah, placement I of the buildings you. and the castles and and the trebuchets and all that. Um, yeah, I love doing that, and I can't find any modern game that feels like that. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I I don't really know. Like I said, I think a lot of them get so complicated that it becomes less fun than because you just like feel like you unless you like invest a whole lot of time, you can't really get your head around it. I think that's one of the things that makes those the older ones. And this is true for like command and conquer is another one oh, yeah. that I thought was really good. Um, is that there's not, you know, it's, you can pretty much get on top of it pretty fast. Starcraft was another really good one. 
Um, but the other thing I really liked about Age of Empires was the um, the tactics, where you can like if you had like a a mixed personnel army. So let's say you had like some horses and some um, some like archers, <clears throat> archers and trebuchets, and that there's different tactical formations you can put them in. Oh, yeah. um, and if you use those appropriately, you can do like a whole lot of damage without uh, losing uh, like your really good siege equipment. So what we I would always like get a bunch of trebuchets and then surround those with like horses and then surround the horses with like or no put archers in the middle with the trebuchets and then surround those with like cavalry, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like anyone that tries to rush you, they get taken out by the cavalry and then but they're also getting hit on their way in by the archers. And the trebuchets are doing damage to the building. So that was always like a really effective formation. It took me a long time to figure that out. Huh. Just like trial and error of like, oh man, they keep, every time I get a trebuchet close, they just come and like kill it right away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, I'll put some horses around it. And I was like, oh man, but like the horses are dying too fast because the people to get there without anything hitting them. So I was like, I'll put some archers in there. And then I was like, oh no, I got it. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, that might be it. That's kind of like the key to making that fun, uh, if you like strategy a lot, because really it's more about experimenting with different strategies and different approaches of attack each time, uh, instead of probably more so these modern games, it's more about, uh, getting the best upgrades. And if you just, if you can build like this giant Goliath or whatever, you know, then you can crush anything. Um, so it's not necessarily about, although money helps you build more troops, it's not completely about, getting the most money or whatever uh it you also have to have a good amount of strategy to be effective yeah so that makes it fun i think i found a game that we can play online now (laughs) yeah we could try yeah i'll have to Um, find it you can send me the details later okay Uh, so how's your xbox soldering hard drive thing (laughs) going is that um it's working well, and you're able to install the game or you're still yeah, waiting to find out if it works. Well, no, the game's installing now. Um, it, it took me a few tries to get it, uh, taking the Xbox apart and putting it back together. Cause like I put it all back together. The only way to test it because of the stupid way that they kind of built them. Like the only way to turn the power on is to like get the thing almost all the way put back together. Like you can like uh, leave like one piece off. It's kind of annoying. You can't like, run it you can't boot it while it's open so it's hard to it's test like, yeah yeah you have to put it all back together i got really good at taking it apart and putting it back together <laughs> um but no it wasn't like this the disk drive just wasn't accepting any discs and then i i think what the problem was is i hadn't soldered i'm very new at soldering so i hadn't soldered the these two wires very well um so i redid that and now it's working fingers crossed although the first time i put a disc in i did get some grinding um, I think it might have been the way that I housed it. Like it, I don't know. But anyway, I I know a fix for that where you can just like lift the thing up while you put a disc in, and then it like chills out. Hmm. Um, it's something to do with gravity and the way everything's working. Just not getting something this, to do with gravity. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what it is, but it it worked. So um, it's so annoying on Xbox that you have to. I mean, I'm sure it's true on PlayStation too. Right? You have to put the disc in every time you want to play. Um. Well, yeah, if it's if it's yeah. a disc game. I, I get a lot of them online, so I don't have to deal with the yeah. disc, but yeah. See, I would get them online, but they're always more expensive. I mean, like, the like I, I would mm-hmm. get games for like 20 bucks on like Amazon or something, even new games, but then online on digital, they'd still be like fifty nine ninety nine, and I'm like... Well, I mean, to be honest, with PlayStation, I find they always have tons of sales going on in their digital store, so like mm-hmm. whenever I boot up i usually kind of peruse the store for a while like right now they have a half off a a lot of games for spring and if if you're a ps plus subscriber that's you know like the xbox Mm -hmm. thing where you play online you pretty much have to have that membership but anyway with that membership you uh it usually kind of doubles downs on the uh, double down on the discount so if there's a half off game uh i'll probably get 75 percent off and uh, a lot a lot of good deals like that so Actually, I think one, the first reason I went with digital games was because I'm too damn lazy to get up and switch the discs. I kind of knew, like, oh, man, if I want to flip between these games, I'm going to have to, like, keep my discs organized, and I have to put them in each time. 
Um, so I didn't want to do that. But then also, yeah, there's so many sales popping up and like promoted. Maybe it's just the design of the PlayStation uh, operating system where it, maybe it's more prominent or something. But I feel like there's always a sale going on. And so I'll browse and get games in there like 15, 20 bucks. Um, and you get two games every month for free with your online membership. So oh, wow. even if I'm not interested, I always redeem them and it goes into this archive. So now I can go back and I can play any of these games, uh, that were like free for that month. Um, and do you only get them, uh, as long as you keep paying, uh, for the freebies? Yes. So if yeah. I, if I were to cancel my, my membership, then I can't play them. But I think if I renew my membership later, if I pay, pay up again, then it unlocks them so I can go back and I can play them. Um, but the other games, the games that I get on sale, they're mine forever. Um, that's mm -hmm. cool. And uh, if I run out of space on the system, then I just, you know, delete it, and it kind of lives in the cloud. I can download it anytime as long as I have evidence that I purchased it. Got it. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely nothing wrong with uh, physical games. I know, um, you know, talking about Chris earlier, he likes to get the physical games so he can trade them in. Um, Right. Stuff like that. So that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, like the thing is, is you can buy, well, I guess you always have to put them in. So people have to take care of the disc still, but like you can usually get pre-owned games for like so cheap. Like I just sent you a link <laughs> oh, yeah. to Elite Dangerous used for PS4. It's only like $15, but like, you know, oh, nice. to get it new is like 40, 45 bucks. So, um, yeah i don't know i guess i because i'm old school probably like younger people who kind of grew up with more digital stuff they like doesn't bother them at all they're like i'll just get it digital i want everything digital but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i mean i, I would know. be worried i would probably never do it again if it uh bit me in the ass and like i couldn't access the like if i get the new playstation and if they locked me out of all those things i got online i'd be pissed but from what i've heard so far uh all these playstation 4 games are backwards compatible with the upcoming yeah. system. So I should be okay in that sense. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, if I knew like that it wouldn't transfer from system to system, then I wouldn't buy the, the digital version. Yeah. But yeah, oh, 15 bucks. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, and it's the legendary edition. Yeah. Now I'll warn you, you should be careful with that. Cause a friend of mine bought a legendary edition off GameStop for Xbox. And the code to redeem for the expansion pack said it was already redeemed and it wouldn't work. Oh, but it's like my textbooks. copy, <laughs> well, but my copy I got the same way. It did let me redeem it. Hmm. So I don't know what the deal is there, but interesting. Yeah, and I I saw with this specific game we're talking about um, mm -hmm. the the legendary or whatever the deluxe edition also comes with like some in-game cash that you can spend. Yeah. Your character gets some extra money, so that's like a yeah. it's like a in app purchase cash though. Like there's yeah. not like the money in the game. It's like the money to get like special things. You know, like you can you can oh, also buy yeah. those points with cash, which I hate that about games. Like that's yeah. the, my least favorite feature. But I think everyone's just doing it now because. But you can play the game without. For sure. That, right. Okay. You can yeah, like definitely. earn your own money by doing jobs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you can't even buy things in the game, I don't think, with those points that you can get. Like, you can't buy things that you need in-game money for. You can oh. only buy things that you couldn't otherwise get in the game. I'm wondering It's usually, then... like, stupid stuff. Like, you know, you can get new, like, livery for your, uh, for your spaceship. Uh -huh. So it looks different. Or, like, oh, okay. you can get a nameplate on it or, like, silly stuff like that. Maybe I don't even yeah. need this deluxe edition, then. Well, you need the Horizons expansion pack for sure, because uh, that's how you land on planets. Otherwise, you can't land on planets, and that's a big bummer. Yeah, gotta have planets. <laughs> I mean, I guess that sounds funny if like you don't know the game, but if like I've been watching lots of videos. Yeah, you, I think you explained in the last episode about how at yeah. first it, you could fly around, but you couldn't land anywhere, and now you can land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like you know that's what makes the exploration exciting. Yeah. If you could just go see the planet and then you have to fly away, that's kind of lame. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, um, over this past week, uh, we watched Star Trek Picard. Ooh. 
Are you a big Star Trek fan? Uh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I didn't really realize how big of a fan I was until the last couple of years, and I mm. was watching the newer seasons. Um, but Are yeah, you watching the what is the new one? Discovery. Discovery. I haven't watched that, but I need to. I think. Yeah, I uh, I kind of preface this to other people because I honestly wasn't interested off off the start either. Um, you know, and I think it's one of those shows. Sometimes you get a, a TV show that you really like, but you realize, you know what? The first two or three episodes kind of sucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think with Star Trek Discovery, you need to uh, suspend some disbelief, even though it's already fiction. But, uh, you know, like they, the the Vulcan, not the Vulcan, sorry, the uh, Klingon characters, they look very different than what you saw in like the 90s TV show. Um, and uh, I think, you know, got to give them a little break. Like the director should be able to have some creative exploration of their own, you know, if this is their own series. But um, you get past that and you kind of let the story play out a little bit. Um, it gets more interesting. And then if you hit season two, I think that's when it gets to be a lot more interesting. And it ended on such a really cool cliffhanging finale that I can't wait for the third season. Um, Mm, So yeah, that's pretty neat. And then Picard was like totally different. That was really nice kind of like throwback, but totally fresh storyline. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have a second season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Did you finish all of Picard, or are you just yeah. watching it currently? Okay. No, we finished uh, that season, and we started watching The Mandalorian now. Yeah, I finished Mandalorian a while back. Um, that's It's funny. Mandalorian 2, I um, started the first episode ready to hate it because it's not a, <laughs> you know, one of the main Star Wars movies. Yeah. I'm like... Who the fuck does Disney think they are, you know, trying to cash in on like TV versions of the Star Wars universe? Like this is when it all goes to hell. And I was just, I was looking at it through such a critical eye the whole time. I paused for a minute to freak out when I saw Werner Herzog of all people was in the show. (laughs) And, And then, and then at the end of the first episode, when they introduced baby Yoda, I was like, I love this show now. Yeah, yeah. If it weren't for Baby Yoda, I would probably be on the fence about the whole thing. But Baby Yoda makes it, and I stick around for him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's great. And I I actually really just like the tone of it. Um, I like that it's not in the normal Star Wars tone Mm -hmm. of, like, kind of lighthearted, even though it's... And they try to be more edgy, I think, but it's still always got this kind of, like, relentless optimism behind it yeah 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 you know what i mean the normal movies and stuff but this one is different decidedly it's much darker it's kind of like a western feels like a western yeah it's a little bit more like war-torn yeah just the mandalorian is such a different type of character i mean you know it's not about this is not about the jedi and it's not about uh you know the primary storyline so it's like really told to the feeling of these people uh the mandalorians and I don't know. I just have been like, I really like the music in it. I think it like really, it almost feels like a Tarantino film sometimes. Uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> when I'm watching it, but not totally. I mean, there's just a little bit of a, I don't know. It feels a little bit like, uh, hatefully, just a little bit. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> not it's doing, quite like, as the, violent, the, but no, it's not as violent. But I, I just mean like the the tone of like the graphics they use and like the the um, accompanying music and like how they shoot it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit more, um, I don't know. It's not quite so obvious. It's got some su- sub subtext, some, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, feeling about it. It's, it's nice. I like it. Yeah, I think it's really cool, and it's... Um, and, yeah, like I was saying, even about myself, going into it with, you know, really dialed-up kind of criticism um, because we have such high expectations for Star Wars... At the same mm-hmm. time that this came out, uh, did it come out at the same time or maybe right before the final Star Wars movie? Um, and I remember talking to some of my other friends, um, Josh from the podcast and um, Mike and Nick, about this, about the movie. And 
there was this, it took me a little while to see it in theaters because it was sold out. Uh, they had all seen it before me and a, a lot, a lot of them were kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, I saw it and I loved it. Um, I don't really know what all the hate was about, <laughs> but um, the newest one, yeah, the yeah the newest one. Oh, Rob. Um, okay, we can Rob. talk about that next. But anyway, <laughs> l- just to compare that movie to the TV show, I I love I loved the movie, but there was uh, a lot of skepticism and a lot of people didn't really like it, and the the kind of the main point i tried to make in our discussions was that you know maybe this is just the expectations are held so much higher and you're comparing you know the same characters across multiple directors and storylines and that makes it hard for everyone to like it but uh if disney is going to be successful with future star wars stuff they need to just wrap this up and have this last movie be the final of the i'll call it like the luke skywalker theme and um you know they can there's plenty more stuff they can talk about in the star wars universe but they should just like leave that and you know anytime you try to make more stories based on a a classic story you're going to bring up all that criticism and i think mandalorian is doing a great job of sidestepping all that because it's in the universe it's within the timeline but it doesn't touch any of those familiar characters so we can kind of assess it with a fresh point of view yes i totally agree and i i was starting to get sick of the storylines and the new ones so it's just like yeah. it's the same thing it just feels regurgitated um but the ones that i think have been the best of any of the new movies are like rogue one Rogue mm-hmm. One was excellent, I thought. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's because they just, like, they didn't try to... They didn't feel like they needed to include the Skywalker whole, like, line in there. There weren't no Jedi in in Rogue One, you know? It's kind of a weird thing to say. Or not... Yeah, there's really no Jedi in that movie. Oh, yeah. And... Um, but it was so refreshing because it was, like, it existed in that world. And it didn't need that to still be interesting because like there are new stories and I thought that's what actually what made the, uh, the, well, let's see, not the first trilogy, but the movies one, two episodes, one, two, and three, mm-hmm. even though like there are some very, very poor casting choices. Um, and ca- some character choices are bad mm-hmm. in it. What was really interesting about them, what made them really palatable to me was that I felt like I was really adding, a lot of um, knowledge about Star Wars lore. Yeah. To my knowledge base. Because, you know, everyone starts out with the four, five, and six knowledge, and mm-hmm. it's kind of wrapped up should. with a neat little bow. And it's like, that's what it is. But there's like, that sets you up to say, like, oh, there's so much more than that that people they allude to, but they never go through. And then you get to go back and, yeah. like, learn about, like, oh my gosh, look, there was only one or two Jedi, or three Jedi, I guess, in in those movies. But in one, two, and three, in four, five, and six. Oh yeah. But yeah. oh yeah, there was a time where there were like hundreds, you know, and then common. you get to yeah. like kind of meet them and figure them out, and that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, but, it's uh, it's funny that you know one, two, and three are so terrible, but they on paper were delivering everything I would want out of a Star Wars movie. I want, I want the backstory. I want the lore. I want the Jedi in their prime. Um, Personally, I think like the Jedi is the cool part of Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. and so that's you know what what I love would love to see in in the story. But then, of course, everyone knows that <laughs> just kind of bombed. Um, but it's also well, uh, ironic because it was George Lucas continuing the movies, and we, we were all uh, ready to hate on the new directors picking up Star Wars, but. Um, I think because of that pressure, those new directors tried to keep the spirit and stylistic choices of four, five, and six in mm-hmm. the new ones, uh, uh, seven, eight, nine. But Lucas, since he was the same director, maybe he felt more ownership over it. He continued to push the envelope. He wanted to do new stuff, new computer graphics at the time, and mm-hmm. um, new ideas. And so stylistically, one, two, and three are so different. <laughs> And everyone yeah, hates right. it, but uh, but you know he. I don't think he wanted to be beholden to remaking the same style as four, five, and six. Yeah, 
I have to say, I mean, maybe I'm an outlier. Like, I don't hate one, two, and three. I uh, I don't like the acting mm-hmm. by. Uh, I mean, especially the guy who plays Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and then Jar Jar Binks, I don't like as a character, but like, I I don't hate the stories in them. I actually think the stories are like pretty yeah. awesome. No, I'm, and they spin they off are good. Even farther. It's just hard to see past the bad acting. So, like, I sure, tried to rewatch yeah. episode two because actually a lot of interesting stuff happens in episode two. Oh my um, gosh, so much! And yeah. I was I was streaming it on on Disney, and I couldn't like 15 minutes into it, I'm like, it's it's like written for like a eight-year-old <laughs> i don't know i just yeah. couldn't it was too too babyish and too silly and the droids have like so much comedic back and forth i'm like you're you're <sighs> fucking droids why are you yeah, carrying yeah. the comedic line of the movie <laughs> yeah yeah but, no yeah. i get it but but i i love that part of the the history and i yeah. loved uh there's an animated series that actually i didn't finish all the way called the clone wars there's an animated movie mm-hmm. the clone wars and then there's also an animated uh like six seasons or something there's a lot I'm curious of to hear you know what if you if you liked that i didn't i didn't even try it because you know because it was animated it looked kind of like a kid's show and i thought mm-hmm. i've already had enough of the kid version of star wars i want the serious version of star wars well i'll say that i mean i think it 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 clearly looks like it's made for kids, but um, the amount of new lore that you get out of it, mm-hmm. I think, is like totally worth it. Hmm. Like it's so cool. You meet new characters. You like understand. You understand so much more about the different uh, like species and uh, or whatever you want to call it, like different mm-hmm. races. I guess that's cool. Like so, when I started watching The Mandalorian, I was like, oh yeah, I actually know all about the Mandalorian's homeworld because there was this like big episode about it and oh. our couple episode arc about it in the clone wars that's interesting and so i understand why the mandalorians think the way they do and all that stuff i was like this is cool like i'm glad i know this i'm like oh yeah now and when he gets his oh spoiler alert when he gets his like full set of armor mm-hmm. i'm like oh yeah now he looks like the mandalorians did in that like because <laughs> oh. you, you know boba fett and jango fett who are the other mandalorians that people yeah. know are they all have like ragtag armor usually because this is like post when the, uh, I guess not Jango Fett, but Boba Fett. It was like post when the Mandalorians had their own home world and everything. So he's kind of uh, like in a ragtag set of armor. Interesting. For Mandalorians. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that, I, I love that stuff. Check it out. I saw a while back, um, I hope I can find it again, but I saw this, um, it was like a blog or a wiki article of the kind of like the, the main important parts of Star Wars lore um, chronologically. So it included the movies, but it also had, um, it had like the books and then it had Clone Wars TV show. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't the entire show like episode, you know, one to a hundred or whatever, but they picked Mm -hmm. out key episodes that were like moments in the Star Wars lore. So maybe I could go back and Mm kind of cherry pick those important episodes uh at least as a starting point that could be kind of fun yeah yeah and it does follow in the like a certain character's development mm-hmm. um and she is it's a female jedi she's okay she's a little annoying but um like you kind of get used to her after a while like she's there at every show pretty much and yeah it's not bad what's it is much nicer is that anakin skywalker is not voiced by the same actor <laughs> <laughs> uh so even though he cut the animated figure looks like that actor it's not voiced the same um so okay it's, that's good it's much easier to have you to, it's much easier to enjoy anakin skywalker i'll put it that way yeah since yeah, since so. we're getting nerdy have you read any of the star wars books no bridge I, too far for me okay so far. <laughs> <laughs> i i haven't like uh read them read them but i've listened to a couple of them on audible and um my fa- i mean uh, i've only read like two so i don't know what the word mm-hmm. favorite means but <laughs> it was a really cool right. book um darth plagius uh mm-hmm. i highly recommend it to anyone who wants to read more star wars stuff or if you want you could you know i'm not making money off of this but you could get it on audible um and it's actually got really good um uh i'm blinking narration 
and got oh, some okay. uh, sound effects in the background too. So it feels like Star Wars, you know, like when the doors open oh, nice. and the oh, lightsaber <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So cool. it's it's not super heavy on the sound effects. So you, you know, you don't want to do too much of that, but it is kind of cool. Adds a little flavor to it. <clears throat> but um, I I particularly like that book because it gives you the backstory of Emperor Palpatine. And um, mm. it's kind of like I've been I've been hoping that, you know, there'll be a new Star Wars movie uh, from the point of view of the dark side. And Darth Plagueis mm-hmm. is one of those um, where you basically you see I won't spoil anything, but it's how, you know, he goes from basically being a, a you know, typical uh, senator with no noticeable superpowers or, you know, force powers um, but then he's taken up as an apprentice by this Sith Lord and he learns the ways of the dark side. And the book basically takes place between the movie episode two and three. So it's kind of interesting to see like what he was off planet, what was he doing and learning and stuff. And how did he kind of transform into this emperor character that we know later on? So uh, that was a really cool yeah. story to learn about. So it's about Palpatine or Darth Sidious, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah, and Darth Plagueis is the, the guy who taught him. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I and that. as we all learn in the final Star Wars movie, uh, also I learned this first in Darth Plagueis that the you know there's this tradition of killing your master and you kind of like absorb uh-huh. their power um, and you kind of carry it on and so um, yeah that's another kind of thing that you'll see in the book. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, well, maybe they're kind of setting it up a little bit because The Mandalorian is a bit darker than, uh, you know, the other Star Wars movies. Maybe they could. I don't know, though, because it's a Disney thing now. So it's like, it's really hard to see Disney telling like a good antihero story. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just need to come out with multiple products where you've got like show for kids and stuff, mm-hmm. but then you've got some darker stuff for all the adults because, I mean, but that's the thing that kids will want to like there's kids that want to know everything about star wars and then you've got this like thing that's kind of off limits to them yeah i don't know like i wish they would because i mean anti-hero dramas are like huge right now i mean there was like house of cards and uh mm-hmm. uh breaking bad you know and i'm sure there's lots of other like dexter you know yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. kind of rooting for the bad guy and uh it would be cool to have one like that for uh I think for either for that story you're talking about or for mm-hmm. like Darth Maul's story because Darth Maul comes back as oh, he does? Solo. Wait, yeah, what? Solo, he's he's oh, uh, I never he finished shows up Solo. again as a hollow. So I kind of quit Solo halfway through. I didn't oh. like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should finish <laughs> it. All right, I'll finish it. Um there's some good lore. So yeah, I'm stuck Darth indoors. Maul shows back up and okay. he's he's got a he's a half man cuz he got cut in half. But his bottom half, I think, is like a spider. He survived? You know, like a mechanical <laughs> spider. Yeah, yeah, he survived. But it'd be good to have his story, you know, like... Oh, wow. Because you, you, he enters in episode one, but you don't really know anything about him or how he was trained or... So, huh. that could be cool. And he's like a one-off kind of like... You don't really hear a lot from... I think it's a Zabrak is his uh-huh. race. Z- you don't Zabrak. really know much about them. Yeah. Zabrak. Yeah, you don't really know much about them, so... Oh, yeah, be that'd cool be cool. to learn about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... I he was probably the coolest part of those movies as like a bad guy, you know, with all the, mm-hmm. the, the face paint or and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, you don't know too much about him and he kind of died a little too early, I think, but um, it's cool to know they didn't actually die, die. So <laughs> yeah, that lightsaber fight at the end of episode one, I think is, might be my favorite of all the movies. Yeah. And, this and the music really to really send it home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's what blows my mind when pe- people don't really, maybe they don't really pay attention to, or they don't think music plays a, a big part in what they watch. And I'm like, can yeah. you imagine just like watching this on mute? <laughs> I mean, right. it'd be pretty yeah. cool visually, but still. <laughs> right now, the but you talked about that last time. The yeah, the different layers of like what they hear and then like what the audience needs. Yeah, it's, I love it. Yeah. Uh, there's so many, oh man, so many good movies, of course, we could talk about. Um, Did you see The Revenant? I have not, actually. 
Oh uh, man, watch it at least for the. I mean, it's a good movie. It's a really great movie, actually. But the music, I love the music. Oh really? So okay. so well curated for the for the landscape of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I um. I don't know not why curated, I, I not slept curated, on that. I should say composed, what? not curated. Composed. That's, that's a, yeah. Yeah. Um. So it was written for the film. Yes, uh, curated oh. makes it seem like they pulled in a bunch of other music. That's uh, I was just a wrong word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, even when it came out, everyone said it was excellent and then it won a bunch of awards and everything. And I don't know why I just, um, it's one of those things where, uh, I think like just never felt in the mood. It's, it looks very, it looks like, um, from the trailer, at least it looks kind of like last of the Mohicans. I don't know if you saw that a long time ago. Uh, um, man, it's been, just, I was a little kid, just yeah. like very like intense and like, oof, mm-hmm. like you walk away like, like, damn, I just saw all that. Um, yeah, and, it is um, like that. and those, those movies are great. I definitely like, uh, watching those, you know, once in a while. But there was never a, a moment where it's like, you know, we're going out, man, oh, I want to see something funny or, oh, I want to see something exciting and cool. Um, and and never really like, oh, I want to see something really like kind of dark and depressing maybe. And that's the right, vibe that right. I got from that, even though I know it's supposed to be really good. So I just never got around to seeing that. Yeah. But I will. Yeah. Do you know who composed it? Oh, man, I feel bad that I don't. Luckily, that's I have right. Google. Let's see. Man, more and more I kind of want to do a um a podcast. This I should probably check this already exists, but I think it would be fun. We don't have to do it all the time. But we pick one movie and we just discuss the music used in the movie and like how it was used and like why it works or doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, that could be kind of a a cool like uh boundary to, you know, topically stay in. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I totally agree. The the composer was Ryuchi Sakamoto. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, now I really have know. to see it. I love Sakamoto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh, just uh, before we called. Actually, I was uh, arranging um, a, uh, his most famous song, uh, "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence," and uh, Logic. So kind of a tangent, uh, not logic Ableton live. They have extended their free trials, uh, from 30 days to 60 or 90 days. So oh, I nice. had an expired trial. Now it's open back up again. And, um, I, it's such a beast to figure out this software, but, um, as kind of a sort of a learning step, I downloaded a MIDI file. I don't know if it's legal. I guess it's legal <laughs> of mm-hmm. that song. And, and dragged that into the software, and now I am breaking up the MIDI notes and assigning them to different synthesizers, and um, hmm. and then breaking up the different blocks of the song, and so it transitions from like one instrument set to another. I don't know anything about arrangement, <laughs> but uh, I'm just like, oh, this sounds cool. Oh, now what if it's a marimba? <laughs> and you know, just kind of like playing with that stuff. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I really like uh, Ruchi Sakamoto. I don't think I've seen any movies with his music, even though that's pretty much what he's known for is, you know, writing stuff for film. And, um, I, uh, I just heard about him on Spotify, started listening to him, his sort of like greatest hits. It's beautiful piano music too. So, um, highly recommend that to anyone who doesn't know him. And I'm going to go back and watch the old film with, uh, uh, I'm blanking on on the name. Anyway, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is the movie that that song was uh, composed for, that he's he's well known for. And uh, now I want to watch The Revenant too. Yeah, there you go. Got another reason. I think that seals the deal. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll have to rewatch it this week, and we can talk about it next week. Yeah, that'd be cool. We could do that. And um, there's a documentary, if anyone wants to dive deeper. I haven't watched it yet, um, but I just got it. Uh, it's called Ruchi Sakamoto Koda, and it's a documentary about him and his music, and looks pretty cool. So for anyone interested in his music, look for that. I think it was on Mubi or one of these movie services, but yeah, just mm. Google it. Maybe you can find some way to stream it. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. So yeah, next See. time we will have watched The Revenant and we okay. can discuss, well, we can discuss the movie a little bit and, and the music. I think that'd be good. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, well, uh, we can close it off there. Did your game install? I don't know yet. <laughs> okay, I didn't know if you I'm had I'm in like a little fortress here, so. All right. Uh, no, it's in the other room, so. All right. We'll go find out. Maybe my Xbox exploded. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, well. All right, man. Have a good week. Catch up with you next week. All right, sounds good, Rob. See ya. See you later. Bye.